0: Good evening, Church, and
1: thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you want to learn more about what that means or what we're about here at Central, make sure to check us out on Facebook or our website at www.churchofvictoria.com. This is our Thursday evening conversation, and it's, it's a brand new one. We're talking about... Yep the law and the prophets and I'm, I'm super excited to uh get into it but brother why don't you go ahead and start us off with a word of okay. prayer and then we'll right. jump in
0: heavenly father thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be called your children uh we know the love and the grace and the mercy that you've showered on us to to give us that opportunity we know that it came from jesus father what we're trying to do tonight is trying to figure out why and how and it's going to be a, we're going to be at this for a good long while and i just pray father you help us to learn the things that we need to learn and to present them in a way that we can, that others that are watching can learn as well. Thank you for this this avenue, this uh, ability that we have with this technology, and uh, and we thank you, Father, for all the talented guys that are that are on board and and are helping with this uh, with this endeavor. Uh, Father, bless all of us as we move forward, and thank you again for for us being here and having this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Well, brother, let me ask you. I mean. The class is the conversation through the law and the prophets. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, what in the world does that mean?
0: Uh, you know, the Old Testament, you know, we look at the Old Testament and it's and it's uh, uh it for a lot of people it's just a bunch of chapters and a bunch of words and a bunch of stuff and they and they and they try to navigate through it and they get to about Leviticus and it bogs them down and they get down. But if you understand that 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 all of this is for a reason. It is for a reason. It is, it is not just there to make us confused and make us question. It is there for a reason and and that reason that I er, 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 learned early on was it's to bring us to Jesus. That's what the whole point of it is to bring us to Jesus and we uh, and I were talking before we started and and you asked me why why it was important to me and it, and that's why it's important to me because you know, if I'm going to follow Him, if I'm good, if I'm called to follow Jesus, I need to know why, and I need to know that this is the, that this is real, and that's what this the Law and the Prophets do. Now you're gonna we're going to talk about tonight how this encompasses the whole of the Pentateuch. It's not just a, a, a law, but it encompasses all of it, and uh, and that's going to be a new kind of idea for a lot of folks, because we're looking at law and saying. Well, it's like the penal law in the state of Texas. No, it's not. It's not like the penal law in the state of Texas. And so, we're, so you know, it's very important that we establish a lot of this stuff, uh, a lot of these precepts and, 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 and this textual stuff to understand why it's so important. Because ultimately, I am responsible for what I'm going to be obedient to. I'm going to be responsible for the, who I, the one I follow. And people are going to follow someone they believe in. They're not gonna follow someone they don't believe in. You know, that's in a that's with children, that's with mates, that's on the job. If you don't if you don't believe in this eldership and don't believe in this church and the mission of this church, are you gonna really follow or are you gonna to start to try to put an agenda together yourself? You see what I'm saying? It works in everything we do. And I think that's what the old testament here is for me. That's why it's important for me. Why is it important
1: for you? Well, I mean, in the in the words of Paul, and I, I go back to to Paul and, and what he said about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 quite a bit. And he says, in, in, starting in verse 1, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea, right? They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for the, what they, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that was Christ. That rock was Christ. Now, we'll eventually get there and talk about that exact situation. In verse 5, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us, that's the church, from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. For me, a study of the law and the prophets is vital. And it's vital because this is what formed, all right, this is what formed Christ's view of God. Mm-hmm. This is what he studied. He studied. He didn't have the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. The, the apostles didn't have the New Testament. They're constantly quoting from the Old Testament. The Old Testament is an awesome, awesome revelation. And it taught and it's leading and pointing to Christ to come. And it forms. When Christ sits there and says, you don't need to worry about you know, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink in the Sermon on the Mount. When he says that, where did that come from? Now, obviously, he's God. So obviously, and he, he even tells us that he's saying the things the Father sent him to say. Say, but why? Why should there have been an expectation that the Israelites already understood that? Because it already tells you that in the Old Testament. The Old Testament explains all of that. It says this is who God is, and this is who we are, and this is our expect. This is God's expectation of us, and these are our expectations of God. These are the things that we should expect Him to do. These are the ways that He should reason and think. We talk about, you know, I can only imagine. You know, I remember going to work as a paramedic and thinking, God, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, I want to serve you. And I didn't know how. Mm -hmm. The Old Testament can help teach us how. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, all the different little stipulations of the Levitical code and things like that. We have a new priesthood. That priesthood now is Christ. It's in the order of Melchizedek. We are all priests in that priesthood. We, we, we've got a new shebang going on under yeah. Christ, okay? got a whole new kit and caboodle. But it can teach us the heart that we should have the heart that we should have towards god and the heart that we should have towards other people when it's vital it's a vi- the old testament is vital for us understanding who god is mm-hmm. and the expectation that we that he has of us and the expectation that we have of him in romans paul will point out that the israelites are supremely blessed because they had the oracles and the prophets mm-hmm. they had the law they had all of these things they knew of god before any other nation it's a it's an important thing now it's like i said it's not important because of, you know, it's going to show me how to worship and it's going to, no, no, no. The New Testament does all that. The New Testament explains what all that is.
0: But when we get to certain places in the, New, in the Old Testament, and we'll get to many of them, lots and lots and lots. I mean, it's going to take us a long time. And we're going to get to a lot of things. When we start talking about Abraham, we start talking about Moses and, and those, those, those pillars of the faith. Uh, we're going we're gonna to connect it back. I mean, there's things that were said to Abraham that are talked about in, in the book of Galatians. There are things that were talked about about Moses that are talked about in the book of Hebrews. And we're going to go look at those things and say, okay, see, this is what he was pointing to. This is where we are, and it's pointing directly to us. You know, and we know from the book of Hebrews that, that, uh, that only together with us, only together with the church and the blood that Jesus shed, could they be made perfect. So the law hinged on Jesus coming and shedding his blood and being and resurrecting on the third day. You know why it matters to me? Why is it?
1: Because a lot of people look at the horrible things that go on in life and they go, why doesn't God care? Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, a travesty. It's a travesty because it shows a lot of times the ignorance we have. God vastly cares. I mean, John 6, 3, 16 really sums it up, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, I mean, that really sums it up. He gave his only son for goodness sake. He didn't just give his only son. This was the plan of the ages. Ephesians will say before even the foundation of the world, he had the church in mind. Well, if he had the church in mind, then he certainly had Christ in mind. And yeah. if he had Christ in mind, he had the work before Christ. But how did he accomplish it? What did he have to go through to do that? Yeah. How many thousands and thousands of years and how many, how much time and energy and effort and people did he spend on bringing us the Christ? Absolutely. On bringing redemption. Absolutely. It's the work and plan of the ages. And he did it. To say that, oh my gosh, all these bad things happen and God doesn't care, I want to go, oh my gosh, he cares so much.
0: He cares... He... <sighs> It, it absolutely, and I, and I made a comment one time, and I think just a while back about, I think on a, in a communion thought, and I said, if you want to see the rightness of God and the righteous, righteousness of God, go to the cross. That's what shows the righteousness. That shows that God absolutely does care. He absolutely does. And this book, the Old Testament, is full of showing how much God does care in our lives. When you start talking about, about uh, you know, heroes, you know that 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 did had had when you when we will get to a place where we talk about Gideon a guy that says man why me i'm a runt i'm nobody i'm the least in the king in the, in my father's house my father's house is the least in the in the whole tribe whole family i'm nobody but god uses nobodies because he does care and he's got a plan and when we start saying well well i don't know god must not care no Just because you don't know what God's plan is, doesn't mean he doesn't have one, doesn't mean he's not, it's not, it's not completely foundationed under the idea of love. And he loves completely and absolutely, there is no, there's, there's no wiggle room for him. He loves unconditionally and completely. And the Old Testament shows that, now it shows a lot of damage. It's going to show a lot of damage, it's going to show a lot of damage to a lot of people. That text you just read said that people were scattered, they were scattered in the wilderness. Why? Because they wouldn't do what they were told.
1: You know, God is good. In fact, I would say He's the master, the expert, the quintessential professional, if you would, at dealing and changing broken people. Mm -hmm. And He did it even with Israel
0: through
1: the wilderness. Now we'll get there eventually. We're not there today. No, no. Today we're we're, we're in Genesis. Yeah, we're you know, a long
0: ways away, and we've got fifty we'll try, chapters. We'll, guys, we're gonna try not to get bogged down. We're gonna we will. We'll try to not to get bogged down, but we can hope we're gonna make this interesting for you. And what the ultimate goal is is to help you to figure out why am I following Jesus? Why is he so important? Why is why is my life so important to God? Why is it something that I should do to to in spite of everything else, maybe people have told you, you know, or maybe this is going to enhance your, your religious experience. I hope that's what happens. I really do hope that's what happens because it, it is there. All we got to do is try to bring it out and, uh, and please bear with us. Um, this is, uh, for us is the first time doing this kind of study together. So, uh, but we're going to try really hard to help you to understand what we're trying to say here.
1: Well, and so let's get into it then. So before we start reading Genesis 1-1, let's let's take a step back and say, okay, what is the law? And you've already kind of alluded to Mm -hmm. it. and And we need to understand this, church. This is vitally important. The law or the Torah, okay, is the first five books of the Bible. It is not, I repeat again, it is not. The 10 commandments and the 666 ordinances or 667 I think there's a debate on how many exactly there are mm-hmm. but ordinances that were passed down okay the law encompasses that but the law the Torah itself is the first five books of the Bible it's Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy it's all five now a lot of people look at that and they go, well, but the law code is the 10 commandments starting around Exodus 20 and it, mm-hmm. and it goes into Leviticus. And, and I would say you're correct. There is a very Western style law code that we are familiar with in that section of scripture. But that is not what the law is. The law is the first five books of the Bible. It was called the Torah, okay? And it was. it's traditionally been understood that Moses wrote it. Uh, multiple times Jesus quotes Uh, scripture and he talks about the law and he says do you not have the law of Moses I've got a couple of those uh, scriptures written down in John chapter 5 starting in verse 45 but do not think I will accuse you before the father Uh, but do not think I will accuse you before the father your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set if you believed Moses you would believe me for he wrote about me but since you do not believe what he wrote how are you going to believe what I say and so that's John chapter uh, 5 We also have in Matthew chapter eight, verse four, then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, all of these have to do with situations where Moses is the writer of the law and he's saying, hey, Moses is going to stand before the father and accuse you because you haven't even done what's in the law. He tells the other guy, go give the offering that Moses has commanded. Well, where did Moses command it? In the law. law. So, and there's a lot of other verses. I'm not going to go read all of them, but we have matthew chapter 19 verse 7 and 8 mark chapter 7 verse 10 mark chapter 12 verse 26 luke chapter 16 verse 29 and luke chapter 24 verse 44 are all different sections in the new testament in the gospels where jesus makes a reference to the law and he makes a reference to moses writing it now for a lot of scholars today for a lot of teachers today uh it's unfortunate but that's not sufficient they look at this and they say no there's you know, the the law develops slowly over time. I I don't know what it is with guys with advanced degrees today and things happening slowly over time, but it seems to be their go-to. <laughs> Everything You know, it happens slowly over time, and, and this person wrote this much of it, and this person wrote this much of it. What you need to understand, Church, is there's no physical evidence of that whatsoever. They don't have any documents. They don't have any documents from antiquity. We? <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've got a lot of opinions on it, but... The reality is they well, have no, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to get into that. Opinion. They have no physical corroborating evidence for these theories. None. None. It's that simple. They just don't have any. They're theories at best. I mean, opinions, I would say. But they're theories that a bunch of these different guys, a bunch of these different teachers have decided this is what it is. Well, the New Testament and Jesus says otherwise. And if Jesus says it, that's good enough for me. I'm not really I, look, I'm pretty simple. I, I'll debate about who wrote Ecclesiastes or not, but when Jesus says, this is the guy who wrote it, uh, that's good. I'm good. Yeah. If if the yeah. king says so, hey, I Well,
0: if I ever come across one of those guys, the reason I want to know is what are they talking about? What are they saying? What are, what's their logic? I mean, what what's the logic that they use? They say, "Well, it happened over slowly." Well, okay, where do you get that from?
1: Well, there's there are some pieces of the ta- like for example, and we'll deal with one right off the bat with Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Um, a lot of guys will say well it's two different creation accounts and so this one this creation account was written by this person and this creation account was written by this person well it's not two different creation accounts that's they use a lot of uh, internal evidence to try to argue that you have different authors they use a lot of what they would call linguistic evidence to say that there are different authors but the problem with that is that that type of evidence is not conclusive what I am saying is
0: If if
1: you had, for example, one person wrote Genesis 1 and somebody else wrote Genesis 2, I want to see the physical evidence, the actual document from antiquity that has Genesis 1 all by itself as a poem or a myth or something. I want to see that. Mm-hmm. Look, we've got the Code of Hammurabi, for goodness sake, all the way back from like 2000 BC. We've got the Code of lip and all this other physical evidence and documents all the way back from that time period. I don't understand why we don't have, if Genesis 1 is by itself and written by its own author, why we wouldn't have evidence of that. Why don't we have, I mean, why, why, uh, why is the only evidence we have of a complete document? Where are all the little pieces that supposedly got put together? Because mm-hmm. that's what they argue. And they argue it that it occurred, I think, around um, 600, 700 BCE, is when they start saying, well, all this stuff got put together. Okay, well, where are all the ancient documents that show these individual things? Well, there aren't any. We don't have any. But this person wrote that, and this person wrote that. I mean, they, they even have names for these guys who supposedly wrote all this stuff that they don't have any physical evidence for. It's, it's ridiculous. So sorry, Jesus is pretty clear. Moses wrote it. So as far as I'm concerned, Moses wrote it. Okay. Now there is some evidence that Ezra, uh, the scribe who came back, mm-hmm. edited some of it. Mm-hmm. And that's been a very, that's been a known thing for a long time. Um, it's very possible that where they have references to places and stuff like that, that might've been Ezra editing it. And that's certainly, uh, consistent with what we see, with the internal evidence we see in Scripture. Um, Ezra compiled and edited. We know, for example, Josiah finds a lot of it. Remember, he goes mm-hmm. they, when they're rebuilding the temple, he goes, oh my gosh, and this is it. This is the book that Moses wrote. And, oh my gosh. And then Josiah tears his clothes because he's like, we haven't been doing any of this. We're yeah. in trouble. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there is a lot of this evidence there, even within the scriptures, that talk about where this stuff came from, who wrote it, and everything like that. Uh, I believe within the Pentateuch, so in the first five books of the Bible, uh, I believe in Deuteronomy, there are references to Moses writing things down. I think in Exodus, there are references to Moses writing things down, and there are also references to Joshua writing things
0: down. Let me, if if you question this, then, I'm not saying, don't, I'm just saying, if you question this, that Moses wrote it, then you have to question everything that Jesus said in the New Testament.
1: Yeah, I think I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, cause I, I converted in 2016. So I've had a lot of people ask me and, and before, before I converted, I was a paramedic. And in, in medicine, we do what's called evidence-based practice. We have to have a reason for what we're doing. We can't just do whatever we want because we feel like it. Um, there has to be evidence behind it. Um, and so I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, how do you, how do you, why are you so, you know, strong about Christianity? Why are you so, I mean, you're, you're a rather recent convert. And I said, well, you know, I've seen a lot of evidence, the good that Christ has done in my own life. But even past that, I understand the historical evidence for Jesus. I understand that Jesus is a real person that really existed, that really walked around and did these things. And there are people that wrote about him, not just the apostles. The apostles wrote some, some about him. But there are other people that wrote about him, too. Um, there were uh, religious texts, or not religious texts, but commentaries written by the Jews and histories kept by the Jews during the time of Christ, and they all talk about him. And they even, even uh, texts that are hostile to Jesus note that his apostles and himself were wonder workers. So there's plenty of other evidence out there besides what we find in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. The New Testament is very compelling, and it's very historical. But here's the thing. Once I understand that Jesus... Really did live. Okay, so once I understand that there is an abundance of evidence to reasonably conclude that Jesus lived, died, rose, was the son of God, and or is the son of God, and uh, the Bible is his word. Once I understand that, well, then it's easy. Then I just go based on what he says. And Jesus considered the Old Testament scripture. He considered it God-breathed. He studied it. He learned from it. And he Absolutely. encouraged other people to do the same. Well... Once I understand that Jesus is the Son of God, the Old Testament, just based on his what he said, comes right in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't really concern myself too much with the antiquity, the historical antiquity of, uh, or excuse me, the historical evidence concerning the Old Testament. We have, I would say that the evidence we have for the Old Testament is not nearly as robust as what we have for the New Testament. The New Testament, there's plenty of historical evidence but we're talking about a difference of 2000 years. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. talking about documents from 2000 years ago versus documents from 4 or 5000 years ago. So, now we still have stuff from back then. So again, but we just don't have as much. Uh but again, my primary focus for the efficacy and the testament, the Old Testament being legitimate are again at Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at what he said and it comes in the door. So Moses wrote it. That's really what all this, if you, if you cross your eyes throughout the rest of that and you were like, what is this guy talking about? The big thing to take away, Moses
0: wrote it. It's going to make a difference later on. Yes. It will make a big difference, big later, difference on. later on. All, all of this we're doing tonight is a setup. Yes. To get us to yes. yo, we'll refer back to this at some point because this is going to make a difference down the road. Yes, absolutely. How important this is will a it be to you? How important will it be to you when Jesus says something and, and we study something in, in the book of Genesis or the book of Exodus or the book of Leviticus and Jesus refers to it, or one of the or Paul refers to it, or Peter refers to it, and we're going to go, okay, now it's legit because I know for sure that because like I've, I've taught many times, you got to learn how to connect the dots. Correct. And we're trying to help you learn how to connect the dots. So Moses wrote it, that's yeah. that's
1: a big, big question mm-hmm. to answer, who wrote this thing, now who did they write it to? Because the reality is, just like the New Testament, these books were not written to you and me. Now they were written for us, but they weren't written to us. And that's an important thing to understand. When I go and I look at Ephesians, I know who Ephesians was written to, Mm -hmm. okay? Traditionally, it's written to the church in Ephesus. It's probably more likely it was a circular letter that was meant, like a lot of the letters back then, that were meant to pass around to all the churches. But I know who wrote it, Paul, and I know who he wrote it to, the first century Mm -hmm. church. Revelation is a big one. It's huge to understand who wrote that and who he wrote it to. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't understand that, Revelation is scary. But if you understand that John wrote it, and he wrote it to the seven churches in Asia... Just go read Revelation 1 and 2. He tells mm-hmm. you right there who he wrote it to. Mm-hmm. As long as you understand that and interpret Revelation that way, it's a much easier book to deal with. The same thing with Matthew. If you understand Matthew was written by Matthew, a Jew, and it was written primarily to Jews, mm-hmm. then a lot of the language in Matthew starts Makes to more make sense. sense. Makes
0: no sense.
1: So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are all written to people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who are they written to? Yep. With mm-hmm. Genesis specifically... Genesis was written to the Israelites who were in exile. Now, Exodus, Numbers, uh, excuse me, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they lived through it. Mm -hmm. And so the author, who that is being written to are the generations that are coming. But it's being written to that generation that wandered in the wilderness. And it's so vital to understand that. Because a lot of times, Moses is going to make reference to Yahweh God. So the Lord in our... Go ahead. And most people,
0: most people don't, they don't have a concept. They know, they know a story of Moses. They know a story of, of these, maybe Abraham, but they don't have a clue how they connect to anything. And, you know, I mean, we, we, you established that Moses wrote it, but when some of these characters come up that we're going to talk about, you know, and how they fit, how they intertwine and how all of it makes sense. You know, I mean, it's, it's going it's, to, it can make a tremendous impact on how you walk your life. Absolutely can because it'll make a tremendous impact on how much you believe in the one that it's, that it's actually leading you to. And I think that's, I think that's vital that we get that across. I Absolutely. think that's why it's so important to study the Old Testament. Absolutely. I've had numerous people tell me, well, that book wasn't written to us, so I'm not going to really pay attention to that. It doesn't mean anything. doesn't have anything to do with us. That's, that's, that well, could be further from the truth. I mean,
1: it, but to take that stance, you have I would say you have to be to be consistent. You have to apply that stance consistently. And so if you apply if you have that stance, well, it wasn't written to me, well, then why bother reading Scripture at all? Well,
0: but of Scripture that told me that, the individual told me that, was not consistent in anything they did anyway?
1: Oh well, I mean, but, look, but
0: I... <laughs> you know, ultimately, ultimately, that person believed the text, was baptized in Christ, lived faithful to God, and died, and I believe is is with God today.
1: Well, and that's and that's it. That's. But that's but he managed. didn't
0: stay pat on it. But I do remember him saying it, and and I do remember having to deal with him. Through all of that, so there are people out there. Maybe people are watching, saying, "Yeah, I'm well only watching because you know you guys got to convince me the Old Testament even even matters. I don't even care." And that's what we're gonna try to do.
1: Well, it's it's the Bible Jesus studied.
0: Yep. And Jesus
1: had some pretty awesome things to say. It is. And I would say that Luke makes it very clear that he grew in stature. Mm-hmm. Right. Luke says it very clearly. He yep. grew in stature in favor among men and mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. So. The fact of the matter is that yes, while he is Christ, and I think he, I think obviously he rec- received things directly from the Father, mm-hmm. and we have evidence of that in the New Testament. I also think that his understanding of God was shaped by the Old Testament. Paul says it's vital for us to understand it. so we don't make a lot of the same mistakes that Pratt, the past generations have made. Paul says that it, it's all the difference in the world that the Jews had the oracles and the, the things of God, the prophets and everything else, the promises, their keepers, of the promises. Paul makes it clear over and over and over again. But what matters is using it correctly. Okay. It's not just that, you know, it matters, but also how do we use it? And a lot of false teachings and a lot of false doctrines come from the Old Testament today. In other words, people twist what the Old Testament has to say and then tries to apply it to us today, and that's just Paul. not not the case. Paul Paul was uh,
0: Paul was inundated. Oh yeah, he by, was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Philippians. You're going to get into it on Wednesday night.
1: Well, not I don't think this Wednesday, but eventually but yeah, it, very you very will get very into soon. it on a, on a Wednesday night.
0: You'll get into it, you know, about about that very thing. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about it. In my small group on Sunday night, where we've been talking about First Timothy, uh, First Timothy. I mean, he says, "I'm going to give you a command. Tell him to stop teaching this nonsense." Yep. And and it was. And then the next then the next thought he says, "We know the law is good. We know it's good, but it was only given to lawbreakers. It wasn't given for the righteous." And so we know that that Timothy, who is in Ephesus, teaching in Ephesus, his problem is in Ephesus, not in Philippi. And so they were having all this problem all over the place.
1: Well, and I mean, we could do we could do an entire series on what the law's relationship to Christians is today. And mm-hmm. will and we'll as we go through this, that'll probably be incorporated uh, into that. Yeah, it'll come. The out. law is an is an the law is an awesome thing. The law and the prophets are awesome. Mm-hmm. They display the mind of God towards His people. They display His people what His people should be doing towards mm-hmm. Him. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the attitudes that we should have. I mean, but. To bind up parts of the law on Christians today is vastly inappropriate. It is not um, required or expected. Well, it's not fair. It
0: it's not fair to do I mean, that.
1: I don't want. To, I, I'm not. I'm not interested in commenting on whether it's fair or not. But Acts chapter fifteen laid this to rest.
0: Well, let me let me clarify. When when you have someone that believes that because someone has told them that you can't do this, you can't be this because you haven't done this. That's not fair because it wasn't written to them. And it was written for a reason to get a saying. people. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. And, and I've had that. I've had to deal with that. I've had to deal with someone. You know, I came, I came to that, man. I came to a guy that, you know, I said, you know, how come I can't eat catfish anymore? Why, why? You know, and I was, I was completely consumed with the idea that there were things in there that were written that I can't do this. Well, that wasn't fair because it's not written to me. Now, nobody taught me that. It's stuff that I was learning on my own, but I have seen people that have that have been taught those things and I'm saying it's not fair it's not fair to teach them that what because I will say if
1: if you're going to do something like that do it for god if you want to hold to some of these traditions some of some of the things we're going to we're going to find in the law like you know a big one is keeping the sabbath mm-hmm. right now look church the sabbath is saturday i, yeah, I don't know it is, it is not sunday no. it was never moved okay that no. i don't know where anybody would get that idea from but I know it's out there sometimes. The Sabbath is Saturday. Mm -hmm. All right. Sunday is the first day of the week. Mm -hmm. We gather on the first day because that's what Jesus did with his apostles. That's when we see in the New Testament that the church gathered together. Mm -hmm. The church is not under the law of Moses. Now, under the law of Moses, they were told, keep the Sabbath holy. And so church, I'm going to tell you the same thing that Paul said to the Galatians. Or actually, I think he said this to the Romans. Excuse me. Um, if you're going to keep a day holy keep it for yourself don't let anyone stand in day don't let anyone stand in judgment over you about days because it's just that simple if you want to keep a day fine you keep it keep it for God don't put it on anybody else yeah sorry yeah. that's not that's not that's not transferred over to the church because
0: it matters who wrote it and who it was written to right and what the purpose was that it was written to these folks
1: and if you want to know more about this if this if this is tweaking you a little bit if you're like well wait a minute i heard yeah. go read acts chapter 15 yeah okay go re- literally stop put pu- push pause go read acts chapter 15 they dealt with this then yeah and they said nope these are the things that we're going to hold over the gentiles don't eat blood don't fornicate they're four different things mm-hmm. um can't remember all of them right now. But they had, they had a list, and they said, this is what we're going to hold you to. The Gentiles are not held under the law. It's just that simple. So um, the point, though, Moses wrote it, and he wrote it to the wandering tribes of Israel, the ones that were brought out of captivity in Egypt. Okay? And it concerned specifically them and the generations that were to follow them. It established some really awesome promises and covenants. And we're going to talk about all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but this morning, or this evening, excuse me, let's go ahead and finish. We're getting, finish date. We're getting finish. Date. Oh, <laughs> my gosh.
0: It's been a long day, it's, brother. It's hard. It's hard to keep them straight sometimes. Let's
1: get through Genesis 1.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. Because there are some things that occur. Genesis 1 is a really awesome. I mean, look, it's the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Genesis, Genesis is chapter 1. This is the beginning. Genesis means the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, and so let's, let's look at that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 1-1. This is a huge statement. Mm -hmm. And it says a lot of things. It says that God created the heavens and earth. Now, one thing I want to note, church, is it doesn't tell us how yet. Now, he's going to get into that in a little bit. But this is not a baseball bat to beat people up with. It's important for us to understand that. Who created everything? God. God did. How did he do it? Well, it says he said, let there be light.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, but what happened, right? Let's, let's keep going here for a second, right? Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, that's that picture of chaos. Mm-hmm. The, wa- the earth is covered in raging oceans and water, and it's tumultuous, and it's back and forth, and it's chaos. That's what we're supposed to understand here, okay? Then it says in verse 3, and God said, let there be light. Now, this begins a whole cascade of things verse 6 and god said let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water and verse 9 and god said let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and there's land and then verse 11 then let the land produce vegetation okay now it goes on and on and on and it it's the stars in the sky he creates those he creates the animals he creates the birds he creates the fish why is this so important for people to understand
0: well god god created a, a a a What's the word I'm looking for? He created a world that was no longer in chaos.
1: That's part of it. He did bring order he to the chaos. Order. He brought order to the chaos. Absolutely. That's part of it. Yeah. Now, if I was an Israelite living, under, living as a slave in Egypt, do you know how many gods the Egyptians had? Oh, a bunch. Do you know what they were all made up of? Um, Creation. Creation.
0: Yes. Romans, Cre- created things are creation, yes.
1: Romans chapter 1, yeah. right? The Gentiles did not honor him, even though they knew there was God. They did not honor him and give him thanks. Yeah. But they they worshipped the creation rather than the creator. Yeah. So the Israelites are coming out of Egypt. They've been inundated with all of these gods and all of these these things. You remember what the plagues were? They were gnats. They were darkness. They were All of these things were supposed to be either gods for the Egyptians mm-hmm. or their gods had sway over them Mm -hmm. and our god yahweh god says watch this you think that you're worshiping this cow and that cow is god let me teach you something right now boom no more no more light now you're all in darkness boom Hailstorm. boom gnats god has taken a baseball bat to the entire egyptian pantheon yeah he did he did now the israelites are out wandering around in the desert and all of a sudden, Moses is telling them this. All of those things were created by God. All of those things. They're not your gods. These things are created by
0: God. Because because while they're wandering around that wilderness, what do they say when times get tough? We want to go back. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back. Yep. We well, back.
1: and Paul even tells us that even while they wandered in 1 Corinthians 10, he tells us that they worshipped idols and everything else. Yep. So the biggest thing, these these Israelites who have been freed from bondage by Yahweh, right, by God, by the real one and true only I am, by the the creator God, by the larger than life I hung the stars in the sky and I call the billions and trillions of stars by name, that God, that's the God that made everything and created Mm -hmm. everything. That's the God that saved you. Mm -hmm. That's what they're supposed to be learning here. Then it gets all the way down to 26. He did all of these things, right? He is, he is the creator God. He has brought order to the chaos. These the other things aren't God. I'm God, right? And then he says this in verse 26. Then God said, this is who man is. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Are you supposed to be bending the knee to some cow? Are you supposed to be bending the knee to some, some fly-headed God? Are you supposed to be bending the knee to the stars and the st- No, sir. No, sir. God says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. For what purpose? So that they may rule over the fish and the sea. Not worship them.
0: Yeah, rule over You rule over what them. What did man come come to? What have they gotten to? Where they worship them instead of ruling over them. Now, check this out.
1: We've talked about how this applies to those people that lived then, how this applies to the Israelites that lived in Egypt. I want you to see something real quick. Now, church, this is the Code of Hammurabi. This was thought to be the most ancient law code we had, and it comes from Sumer. Now, if you don't know where Sumer was, it was in the Fertile Crescent, Okay, and if that didn't help you, it was in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. It was where, It's where Iran and Iraq are today. Okay, That was sumer and it, that crescent goes all the way over to where israel is today okay so that's the middle east that's the fertile crescent okay now this code of hammurabi was hammurabi was a babylonian king and this was what we thought was the first the oldest law code we found now they found other law codes that are older since but i want you to listen to what this has to say okay now some of these are these are their gods the babylonian gods don't get confused on all the names but that's that's who they're talking about when i knew the sublime king of the Anuki and Bel, the lord of heaven and earth, we're talking about their their pagan deities, who decreed the fate of the land, assigned to Marduk, the overruling son of Ea, god of righteousness, dominion, and over earthly men, and made him great among the Igigi. they called Babylon by his illustrious name. So all of these gods got together and did some stuff. That's what that says, okay? Made it great on earth and founded an everlasting kingdom in it. So that's Babylon. They founded an everlasting kingdom in Babylon, right? That's what they're saying. All right. Um, Whose foundations are laid so solidly as those of heaven and earth, so solidly that it's not there anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That that kingdom doesn't exist, that it was overthrown a long time ago, right? Okay, just pointing it out. Uh, Then Anu and Bel, again, these gods, called by name Me, Hammurabi, the exalted prince who feared God, to bring about the rule of righteousness in the land, to destroy the wicked and the evildoers, so that the strong should not harm the weak, so that I, Hammurabi, should rule over the black-headed people like Shamash and enlighten the land to further the well-being of mankind. (laughs) Now, this isn't the only ancient law code we have. I'm not going to read any. I've got the others sitting right here. Right. I've got the code of Uru-Namu, and I've got the code of lip Ipchar. We're not going to read But they through basically those. say the they same say thing. They say the same thing. They have this preamble that says, Oh, look, these gods have anointed me to rule over everything and bring righteousness and to protect the weak. And, and they, they say the same thing. Now, that is the type of thing that was going around, around back then. Okay? That's the idea. God has chosen this king to rule fans of history might remember the divine right from the middle ages. That was a very similar theory. Yeah. Man doesn't have anything. (laughs) The writer of Ecclesiastes would say there's nothing new under the sun. Sometimes he really hit the nail on the head, (laughs) but listen to what God has to say in verse 26 again. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. So our image bearer is mankind, all of mankind, not just one person, not just some guy, not just Hammurabi, not just, You know, Lit Ibshtar, not just but all man is made in the image of God, in his likeness, so that they collectively may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. This was a radical statement for this day and age. When Moses looked at the Israelites and said, First of all, all those gods that you worship, yeah, they were created by the one true God. And then he said, not some God-king is supposed to rule over you, not some one person did God select, that's not what this is. We are all made in his image and his likeness. This is groundbreaking, radical stuff. And when you put it in its proper context, when you realize that these, this is written to a people who have lived in bondage their whole life, for, 400, for hundreds of years, They've lived in bondage. They've been abused. They've been hurt by a culture that existed. And now they've been freed. And now every day they're following a pillar of smoke. And at night they're following a pillar of fire. And they're following these people, this this awesome God out of Egypt. Don't you think they'd have some questions? Hmm. They just watched the awesome work of our God in bringing all of these plagues, some of which they were spared from, right? It's dark everywhere, but over there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You know,
1: they've seen this amazing display of power.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They have some questions. Well, our God has some awesome answers. Yeah, he does. You know, people today say they lack. They, they, they don't know why they're here. You know, why did God do any of this? Why? Well, Genesis chapter 1 tells us.
0: Well, that's what we're, trying, we're going to try to help them to understand. Genesis 1 tells us mm-hmm. really
1: clearly. He made us in his image. He made us to be in relationship. We'll see more of that relationship in chapter 2. He made us for a reason. The reason you feel at home like there's something missing in your life, that there's, there's something I'm supposed to do, is because there is something you're supposed to do. Yeah. And that serve God. that serve our Creator. Become His child. Because you're made in His image. And He dearly loves you. He loves you so much that He gave His only Son for you. Yep. He created the earth you stand on. He created the fish. He liked to fish. He created those. He created them for you to rule over, mm-hmm. that we are meant to rule over the works of his land, like the, we are meant to rule over the works of his hands, like a tre- treasured son. We're not meant for bondage. We're not meant for horrible things. We're meant for good things that he set about. And it's awesome. So that's Genesis 1. I think next class I'm hoping we'll get a little bit farther (laughs) but that's Genesis 1 and I think it's a pretty awesome section of
0: Scripture it's it you know and guys it's gonna it's gonna matter going through all of this stuff it seems tedious you know it's gonna matter when we get into some of the stuff much later on you know to remind you where it came from why it was here what's going on why why is all this important Uh, when you look at the call of Abraham and and you see how far away it was from Moses. I mean, there was there wasn't a there wasn't a a law that had been given yet, a a code hadn't been given yet, and uh, you know. But this here, what it does, it tells you that you know, with all those other codes that are out there, this one here says, no, no, you don't understand. I'm God, and I created it. Don't ever worship it. You know, it should be a testimony to us today because we worship things all the time that God's created for our enjoyment to give it to us and we worship it and that should not be. That's right. So let's pray. We'll be done. Almighty God, thank you so much for this class. Thank you for the, those who are watching. I pray, Father, that they've learned something and I pray Father, that they'll continue to watch, that they'll be patient with us as we move forward, striving to get to a place where, uh, where they can where they can connect this all together. Father bless us as we as we prepare for another class and thank you Father for the opportunity we have with this technology again in Jesus name we pray